podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everyone? First and foremost, happy Father's Day to all the great bonehead dads out there. Before we jump into part two of the second annual Dad Pod, just need to talk to you real quick about our sponsors, MyBookie and SeatGeek. First off, SeatGeek, they're the spot that Grant and I, and hopefully everyone gets their tickets on the secondary market. Not only are they bringing together all the best secondary ticket apps to one marketplace, but they're also grading those deals for you. If you think that you know what a good deal is, you need to check them out because they're not only giving it a numerical grade, they're giving you color-coded, green good, red bad, yellow. If you really like it, go for it. So that is SeatGeek. And if you use our promo code ACAA, and that's for Armchair All-Americans, and ACAA, you are getting $20 off your first purchase over at SeatGeek. Secondly, my bookie. You might be thinking to yourself, hockey and basketball are done for the year. There's nothing to gamble on. Well, fooey on you. There's all sorts of baseball going on. International soccer, the Women's World Cup, all sorts of stuff going on. And if you start looking up there, they're already putting out college football lines of the year, prop bets for Heisman's. For you know what, we're going to be back in college football season. So use our promo code BOYS to get your 50% deposit bonus and start making that bread. So let's pass it in to Grant and Malcolm. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. All right, it's Dad Pod 2, Part 2. It's the Malcolms. Welcome back to the show. Father, happy birthday. You are officially a recurring guest, so I have this koozie oh. that you can have. It's a special recurring guest koozie, and it has the original logo on there. So well, enjoy. You. you can enjoy that with a nice cold... Yes. Cold beverage for your 66th birthday, which is today. Yes, thank you for the happy birthday wishes, and thank you for this recurring guest koozie. It's, that, that's you. That, that looks a lot like you there on that koozie. I would hope so. It is me. So <laughs> let's just jump right into it. We will rehash some memories. Uh, this is, mm. you know, the the podcast has grown considerably since the last time you were on, so we're going to rehash just briefly how you became a K-State fan. Um, you kind of just arbitrarily chose K-State over KU for the gymnastics program, and then it was really no going back. That's correct. Um, I was a gymnast at Topeka High School and wanted to do some gymnastics in college, and so it was going to be KU, who was coached by Bob Lockwood, or... K-State, who was coached by, well, he, my coach was Ken Snow, but I, there, I think Bob Rector was the coach before that. And it uh, 
kind of came down. I was going to go to the program that I thought was a better program, and it turned out to be K-State at the time. And so I went and walked on to K-State's gymnastics team, made the team, and had a great first year uh, getting to go to Ames, Iowa, and Oklahoma, and Nebraska to compete for K-State. So. so how did you transition from the gymnastics program to Yell Leader? Uh, there was a... One of my fraternity brothers was a Yale leader, and gymnastics was basically from 2.30 to 5.30 every day, and it was, uh, it was a lot of work, and uh, I decided that I would rather um, take my tumbling abilities to the Yale leading uh, squad and have an opportunity to uh, cavort with the cheerleaders, of course. And so that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> Interesting. So I assume, obviously, being a yell leader, getting to travel to all those games, and, I mean, that would make it easy. That's back in the basketball heydays. We kind of chat- chatted about that in the first podcast. But So you were yell leader. You got to travel to pretty much every game um, in the in the basketball heydays. So that made it easy for you, basically, to become a diehard Yes. Immediately. Yes, it, it did. Uh, being a yell leader is what I would kind of credit uh, the bleeding purple, you know, really becoming a, uh, a fan, a fanatic fan. Uh, it, the basketball games were great. You know, we, were, we got to sit right on the floor. We got to be right there. Lonnie Kruger um, played when I was a yell leader. Uh, Chucky uh, Williams, Mike Evans, some of the greats, and basketball was awesome. Uh, football was not as good, obviously, but Gary Spaney, one of the all-time great linebackers from K-State, uh, was at K-State when I was uh, there. Um, also, Steve Grogan, who was injured a lot of his senior year at K-State, but then I think went on to have a pretty good pro, pro career as a quarterback. Uh, so I, I, I kind of got hooked on on those Wildcats. So recently we did a mom pod for Mother's Day. It was the first first time we've ever done that. You made a confession moments ago. Send it to mom pod. Well, I've listened to just a little of the mom pod. My lovely wife Shelley is. Um, Kind of, oh, how, how do I say it? She doesn't like the way she sounds when it comes across a recording. Now, being a lawyer for years, I've dictated letters and stuff, so I hear myself all the time, and I'm used to it. But Shelley hasn't hurt herself as much, and when she hears herself, she's, she thinks she sounds... Um, well, to put it nasally. Right. Everybody yes. thinks they sound bad. I mean, I, of, yeah. I don't like to listen to myself either, but... You know, I've gotten over that. But I listened to a little bit of it to just be able to tell her, no, honey, you you sounded good. You sounded fine. So she revealed to me, I feel, I feel like I knew this, but apparently not, because she did have, like, a decent amount of K-State fandom background before meeting you, because she would go to games and apparently, unbeknownst to both of you, watch you while you were yell leading. But how did you two officially meet? And when? You know, when was that? I tell the story um, of this 
cute young woman on the dance floor at a uh, a nightclub called Magoo's in Topeka. Now Magoo's is no longer there, but uh, for years Magoo's was the uh, 21 club where everybody went uh, after you know going to the three two bars and dance and. Uh, I tell the story that one night I was in there, one Saturday night or so, and I looked out and there was this cute young woman in a powder blue sweater dancing on the dance floor. And so I I knew, now that's where I hate to admit, that's where my recollection is hazy because the truth, the truth be told, um, my wife was a couple years younger than my two younger brothers, John and Dan. And just a side note, they're Iowa State fans, so you can, they went to Iowa State, you can boo I give them plenty of shit for that. Grief, yes. Um, But they would walk Shelly to school, or or to class at Topeka High, and she'd always say she never knew which one was which, because they were pretty, pretty identical back in those days. Well, they're literally twins. They're identical twins. they're identical twins, and... Uh, apparently, my brother Dan had made arrangements to meet Shelley at Magoo's, unbeknownst to me, and something fell through, and he didn't end up showing up, and so I I met her, and we went out for coffee at uh, Poor Richard's, and the rest is history. So you were, you're dating for a while. How does her fandom evolve? You know, how does... Because well, I, I, I would consider her, at this point, Kind of a diehard K State fan. I mean, she's definitely yes a fan to the extreme. She has a difficulty watching games because they're too. <laughs> she gets too anxious. She's that invested. So, how did she take her next step well, in the fandom? When did you notice she became now, a diehard? A little background with Shelley. It's my understanding that she wanted to go to K State, but that was it. Just wasn't able to happen, and so she uh, stayed in town and and went to Washburn. But uh, I think, I'm trying to think, uh, when we got married in 1983, and I had, uh, you know, then we had Chrissy and Cole, and uh, we did not go to many football or basketball games uh, at that time. Um, We did watch them. Now, I I will tell you that Shelly... her heart was broken with the 1988 K-State-KU basketball game for a trip to the Final Four. I think it was in Pontiac, Michigan, was the, was the regionals, Final Four, and I think the national championship that year was, was in Indianapolis. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but we faced off with KU in 1988, Danny oh, Manning God. against Mitch I Richmond. Even, I can't even fathom and we were the at that time we were the better team. I mean, we had the better record in the Big Eight, and and uh, we were the higher seed. Uh, KU got a couple breaks, and and we got a couple breaks, and so we met each other, and and it, it was their day, Danny and the Miracles. So that's like but, worst case scenario. In, yes, it in was sporting. For, yeah, I just would. I wouldn't. I don't know if I could watch the game if if we were paired yeah. up in the NCAA tournament on any level. If it was first round, any level, it doesn't matter. I would be, I don't think I could watch. I just truly, it would be terrible. But I think she was uh, as affected as I was, probably not as affected, 
well, not totally affected as I was, but yeah, she, I began <sighs> to, to watch that development uh, of her fandom. Uh, and then when football, when we started going to bowl games, that really uh, increased it also. That's a big what if game. What if we had won that? I wonder what the landscape would be, basketball, if it'd be any different. But we'll move on. We'll pivot a little bit. So I've been playing sports pretty much my whole life. And, you know, I've been a, a – I've loved sports since I was very young. But as far as me being a fan, did you notice, like, you know, when did you notice my evolution of fan fanhood? Because, I mean, you would take me to games, um, football games at least, and then I don't really remember when I became like a diehard to where I was super invested. I would have to say that uh, all of you kids were, were raised on K-State. And uh, we started going to the football games back in 89 or 90. We, we got ticket, a couple season tickets. But at that time, you know, GA tickets were only $5. So we'd sit in our assigned seats and you guys would come with us and you'd be down at the front by the rail where Willie'd come by and you know say hi to you and uh, it's it's hard really for me you know I mean I hate to I hate to say it but that's what has that been 30 years almost well not well you're 66 ago, today yeah. so I mean right it's been it's, at least I mean it's been 20 years well with you you're right it's for it's, me it's 20 um, and my my main memory of you was the Oklahoma game in 2000 when oh, I think yeah. you were nine years old and and we were down. They We'd played a terrible first half and we were coming back and, I don't know, somebody blocked a punt. and Oh, God, I forget Terrence who blocked Newman it every time. It in. I always thought it was Washington, but no, I, I've, it's, been, uh, I've been correct. Thalman. Thalman. Yeah, okay, blocked a punt. Terrence picked it up, I think, and ran it in to cut the lead to – Thirty-eight, thirty-one, and that place was the loudest I have ever heard. And you were holding your ears easily, Dad. My ears hurt. My ears hurt, and, and so it just evolved from then. Yeah. I, but I I'd mean, also say that when you went to K State, you know, I think you really started getting into it and going to games. You know that I didn't go to. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we didn't get ticket. You, we, we had tickets pretty much my whole childhood until after. Decided not to get them after oh three oh three three yeah, and then I think we got started getting back in about two thousand ten. So I, I think it was two thousand nine. I remember okay. maybe two thousand ten. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I've I've gone through that. I've I've probably said this at least four or five times on the show that 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 play is probably yeah. my most vivid memory of my entire life. I mean, I. We'll never forget that. And the only thing that rivals it was this year, the Cartier, Cartier uh, Jada windmill dunk was like <laughs> yeah. the only sporting event that touches that Terrence Newman block punt yeah. touchdown. But you and I have been to a lot of games together. Um, are there any that stick out as the best? What are your favorite games that we've been together? And then on the, on the opposite hand, the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, that well, Oklahoma game I, is I, one of the worst, to be honest. The, uh, oh, that that Oklahoma game was one of the worst, and the one game we missed together was the 2003 championship game in Kansas City, where we beat Oklahoma. Well, you went, and I went, and you didn't go. Yeah, we didn't. You so we weren't together. Uh, 
But I think, uh, you know, some of the bowl wins, you were at the Cotton Bowl in 2000. Uh, you were there in 96 when we, yeah. when we really had it and then lost it right in the fourth quarter. I don't, I think, yeah, I don't remember anything. The BYU game? Yes. I don't BYU remember game. anything from that game. I remember the pep rally. That's it. But I was like five. Yeah. So I don't remember that. I mean, uh, I mean, if I had to choose, best games we've been together, probably 2000 Nebraska, the snow game. Yes. And then alternatively, the same year, 2000 Oklahoma, that loss was just infuriating. Or, yeah. Because that, I mean, everyone just was well, the angry worst. at Bob Stoops. And it was just like the buildup yeah. was insane. We looked like shit the entire game. And we mount a comeback. We had the ball with 10 minutes left. I mean, and we just couldn't get over the hump. But Well, the worst of all games, of course, was the 1998. Yeah, obviously. St. Louis championship or Big 12 championship where we lost to Texas A&M. I don't, and I don't really remember the game. I remember yeah. walking out and seeing adults yeah. like in tears. Crying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grown men crying. Yes. And I, I do remember that. I mean, but I don't, I, I don't know. I I'm sure I had a concept of how bad it was, but yeah. Well, how we good. went to the we went to the Alamo Bowl too, and that one sucked. Yeah, I mean Purdue bowl games. That was. 2000 Tennessee was great. 2003 Fiesta Bowl Ohio State sucked. Right, that was really frustrating. I feel like that's what kind of put you over the hump of like I don't think we're getting tickets again. It, it did, and uh, it just it left a bad taste in my mouth, and I've of course. Uh, since then, you know, forgiven everything and said, well, you know, that's just what it is. Well, the older you get, you realize that, why am I getting so angry about, like, 19 and 20-year-olds? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's embarrassing, but it's still great. Yes, it is. It's it's great to be a a fan of a winning team, and it's tough of the losing team. So K-State makes a huge deal about, you know, the family narrative. What would you mm-hmm. say specifically to us? What has K-State meant to our family? I think what it's meant to our family is just good memories and opportunities to be together, uh, times when you remember, like you said, the t- Tennessee Cotton Bowl uh, in 2000. There's snow on the seats. you got to uh, – you know, dusted off. I think you, I'm pretty sure you were with us in the 2000 Big 12 championship game in Oklahoma in I Kansas was, City. Yes. That, was that was really bitter cold. cold. And uh, we lost that in a close, in a game we could have, you know, there's a lot of those games you look back. Well, we got screwed. a couple plays here or there. We and got we screwed could've... in that. We had them. Yeah. We got screwed on a play where it was a pass interference call. They called it on Jared Cooper, mm-hmm. but the ball was tipped. Yeah. And it was, like, fairly obviously tipped. Yeah. And today they might, you know, be able to – I don't know the rules, but they might be able to look look at yeah. that and say, no, the ball they was could. tipped. They could. They would. And that – and then that – they ended up going and taking the lead, I think. But Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of I, – I would say it's just my some of my favorite memories of my lifetime – and some of my worst memories are are K State football and basketball related. So, pretty much my entire formative years were K State football being at their peak. So, it doesn't really get much better than that. Hopefully, we'll get that back someday, and we can kind of pivot to that to current day. So, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the last time you were on. Um, 
we all tried to go through some predictions. So you predicted a seven and five record on the first first dad pod of last football's <clears throat> last year's football season. So we only win five games. We end an eight year postseason streak. The season was just plagued with all sorts of problems. How disappointing was it just on a macro level? I was not expecting us to be just that poor. Well, it was re- very disappointing to me because, you know, when it gets down to uh, those games that you could have won or should have won or were in the position to win and you didn't win. And, you know, uh, I'll be honest, Bill Snyder, in those early years, those are the ones we won. Those are the ones we kind of stole from other teams. And even in the Colin Klein 2011 2012 years, we stole some games that I thought there was no way we were going to win those games. Now, if you look at it, the three, I guess, most disappointing losses I had from that season were the TCU, Baylor, and Iowa State, all on the road. I don't think we won a road game this year, not a conference road game. I don't think we did. Um, um, I'll have to think about We lost all that. of them. We, we were, <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, we I think did. we were 0 and five or 0 and four in, in in road games and those were winnable games i mean tcu i think was 14 to 12 or 16 to 4 something it was 14 13 and, and we just basically pissed away every opportunity yeah <laughs> and iowa state we lose a 21 point lead baylor we were in there was a lot of things that happened in baylor like a, a fumble or stuff that we, in other words we made all these mistakes that bill snyder teams didn't used to make so my five wins could have easily been eight and or easily seven if we'd have won two out of those three. But, uh, yeah, I, I was disappointed in uh, losing games that I felt we really had a good opportunity to win. So I did listen to the first one yesterday to get a good idea of just what we were all were saying. And we all tried to also predict the quarterback position last year. Um, and it proved during the season to be a more complex problem, I think, than all of us anticipated. Were you surprised at all with Bill's well, lack of clarity at choosing a starting quarterback? Well, uh, a little bit, I guess. Uh, I would. I think my prediction was. Uh, uh, we both Delton. predicted Delton yeah, would start. I, I predicted Delton would start, and that didn't happen, as I recall. It I did think not. Tyler, Skyler Thompson started. And the reason I predicted uh, Delton was because Bill's affinity or his uh, love for the running quarterback. And we were wrong, but then his affinity and love for the quarter, oh, yeah. running quarterback came out through the whole season and, you know, ended up being what I would call a little wishy-washy. Uh, and, uh, you know, cause, cause some problems, I, I think. I would think that, I mean, I would say wishy-washy is putting it kindly. <laughs> I, would, I would like, I mean, were you disappointed in Bill's behavior? Because there was a period of time where, you know, he was publicly throwing players under the bus. He was calling out journalists for, you know, questioning him, which is not n- something new. He's done that before, but it was... It was different. Um, it seemed different. You know, he was ignoring quarterback, just yeah. bl- glaring quarterback statistics that were in favor of Skylar Thompson. I mean, I yeah, was very I, disappointed. I would, I, I'd agree there was a couple times it seemed to me that uh, within a couple games he'd make maybe make an excuse for Delton and then wouldn't 
give Skylar Thompson accolades I think he deserved or or, or wouldn't make an excuse or, or, or cover for Skylar. So, yeah, I, I, I was I was a little uh, confused. I was a little shocked because, you know, Bill is usually pretty stubborn, and, and maybe that was part of the problem. But usually he'll stay with, you know, he'll – He'll be a little more decisive, I guess I should say. But it was odd. I mean, it was just yeah. it was just so obvious to everyone that we're a better football team with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. And I don't know. It was really frustrating. But as bad as it was, it was Bill's final season at K State, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that he's not going to return for a third stint. So you know, he either decided to retire. Or was pushed out, quote unquote. Um, what were your thoughts when you learned, you know, he was leaving, and that would probably be the last of Bill Snyder? Well, I actually, you know, talked to a lot of people, and I wasn't the only one that felt that I th- that it was probably time for him to maybe step down. Uh, I mean, I talked to to female lawyers, clerks. I mean, just other various people about you know you know what's going on over there and, and the the sentiment was that you know I think maybe it's time to to make a change or maybe it's time for Bill to step down and and let you know someone new you know take over so I was that, that was my thinking so another <clears throat> another place we were <laughs> or another topic that the dads and the Bosco's boys were kind of all over the place was trying to predict you know what would happen with bill and who who the next coach would be so you did not think it was going to be sean and you were correct i i didn't think so either um but you well, thought it wasn't could, scott the only one scott was scott bill's was gonna bill's <laughs> gonna resign in september and say say yes yeah, sean you're the man and take over <laughs> scott was pretty adamant about that and i mean I didn't think that was out of the realm of possibility because to even today, you know, there was just recently a an interview with Bill, a national interview with Bill Snyder from ESPN, and he's still holding on to, like, he's, he said something like, yeah, I think uh, I still wanted it to be Sean, and I think that would have been a good thing. So clearly he's, I mean, he obviously yeah. had a just tight grip on everything in the program, and he did not want it to be anyone but Sean. So... Yeah. I don't think that would be crazy. I mean, Kevin. I think Kevin also thought, you know, like I don't know if I don't know if Bill will coach a game this year. I could see him stepping down. So, <laughs> well, um, I mean, that was. I don't think that's crazy, but I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, because Bill's also a control freak in the way that he would still, you know, as long as he feels like I can coach, he was going to coach, and he did, and it, you know, ended up being a. Pretty forgettable season, but yeah. you thought it could be Craig Bull, yeah. which was, you know, because he had North Dakota State ties and Gene, you wanted mm-hmm. Brent Venables, which that was unanimous. We all wanted Brent <laughs> Venables, but it was neither. Eventually, you know, you were kind of right. It was a guy with North Dakota State ties. We hired uh, Chris Kleiman from, you know, the FCS powerhouse. What was your initial reaction to the hire? My initial reaction was negative, and um, the the main reason why is I remember the coach before Bill Snyder, Stan Parrish, and Stan had been successful at a a smaller college, 
came in and competing against, you know, the big boys, Tom Osborne and uh, probably might have even been Barry Switzer at the time, maybe not, but uh, and K State, you know, went backwards. Uh, I also remember Terry Allen being very successful at I think it was Northern Iowa or uh, I think it was Northern Iowa, and then him getting the KU job and and going. Uh, you know, to Lawrence and and totally fizzling out and and not being successful. So initially, that was my worry: Does this guy, you know, can he go from a Division three up to the to the big time? Um, now, I did talk with one of my uh, friends just the other day, and we were talking about that and kind of comparing to to Prince or and uh, his. Uh, his opinion was that Prince had never run a program, you know, whereas Kleiman has won, or, or I'm sorry, he has run from top to bottom a f- very successful program. And so I would tell you that my attitude's actually changed. Uh, I, I think listening to him, uh, he's, uh, he's very adept at social media, which the young people like. I think that's going to really help our re- recruiting my friend said the other day that K-State's football recruiting is doing well. We've got seven or eight guys. Uh, We've got 12 all, now. 12 now, okay, and most of them are three stars and could be more. Uh, all, uh, one was a two-star, but he, a two he's star, really but thought he will work up to a three-star. I mean, yeah, uh, he'll probably work up. I was listening to another show yesterday, and you know, he does have interest from other Power 5 schools like West Virginia, uh, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I think – I think he said Michigan was starting to sniff around, and he's got 4-3 speed. He's undersized, yeah. so he'll work his way up. Yeah. And then the other guy's an unrated uh, tight end who will yeah. probably get a ranking from rivals. Now mm-hmm. that he's committed to us, they'll go take a look at him on yeah. a, in more with more of a microscope. And, you so. know, he's got his senior year to play, so he'll get a rating. But everyone is we've, – we've got some good recruiting momentum, certainly, but – I mean, I would I would say I tend to agree. My initial reaction was negative. I mean, Kleiman was probably last on my list because it was just it just <laughs> yeah. felt underwhelming. It felt like a cop out. Felt like you know this is Gene, a guy that Gene knows, and it's like I mean I don't know. And and there was just it was just hysteria for a while in the coaching process, and yes. I was so attached to Seth Luttrell. Yeah. I thought we yeah. were going to get like an air raid new he, he's younger the North, he's the North, North Texas, Texas guy yeah. and it was just like so disappointing and you, me and Scott have all these sources that were constantly texting and it's like you know we just we thought it was done and you thought you were in the know and yeah. and, it, and it was almost done but yeah. since day 1 that Kleiman's been in I mean he's pretty much done everything right mm-hmm. the only criticism I have of him is um he hasn't landed the in-state recruits but as we've as i've learned you know as the process goes on it becomes it's more difficult for new coaches to lock down their home state mm-hmm. it takes a couple of years to yeah. establish that rapport so i'm not really too worried about that i mean he's recruiting texas really well right now and he's got good momentum good, but good. Texas I mean, is key there's literally no comparison between the only thing that he well, has in common with ron prince is that he's in a coach that is not Bill Snyder at K-State. Yeah. I mean, 
They are no, I, I polar opposites. Like Ron Prince was a terror, a social terrorist. <laughs> he alienated yeah. his entire all his players. He alienated his coaches. He was just a sociopath. And Chris Kleiman's like no I, super down to earth, great guy, extremely hard worker. So I'm excited. Yeah. I hope. I mean, I'm well, excited. You, I feel really good about yeah. him right now. And you said something that I want to touch <clears> on, and and. Again, it, it, this is the same friend of mine that knows K-State football well. We were talking a while back, and he said, you know, in the old days, K-State got those that 4-3 speed when the guys were undersized. But in the last couple years, you've got the West Virginias and the Techs. They have been wanting them, and so they get them uh, ahead of us. But if Kleiman can start going back to the days – that Bill used to, where we would get those. We could get those, you know, undersized guys, but they had speed. And yeah. so that's a, that's a good sign. What I really like about the staff is them, like, marketing K-State as a brand. And yes, they're really wanting, like, they're emphasizing bringing speed, yes. which is huge. I mean, <laughs> we've been so slow for so long. Well, i got to tell us a quick story about, about your – your old friend John Johnson, my old friend uh, Johnny Johnny Johnson and I, one of my old time friends, were at the KUK State game 1982, and that was the year that the K State went to the I think the Independence Bowl, played Wisconsin, but Jim Dickey had redshirted a whole bunch of seniors to have a depth, and it, it panned out, and we're playing KU and we're beating them and. One of our guys takes a punt return or a kickoff return around, and and he's rounding that corner, and he's going down the sideline, and and he gets tackled. The KU guy cuts him off, and and Johnny looks at me and said, you know, Mal, if that would have been an Oklahoma boy or if that would have been a Nebraska boy, that would have been a touchdown because there's no substitute for speed. And so uh, I laugh because that in all sports, that's – Totally correct, and and we have been slow. You're right. We just have not had the speed uh, that we used to. The the David Allens and the and the Terrence Newman. I mean, and the Newman. I mean, Newman was. I mean, the days of our peak, we had just ta- yeah immense. Well, even immense Rashad Washington. Speed. Rashad was uh, what he four was four a strong safety before four. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. And when Jared Cooper was, say, you know, we had that speed. They had the... Well, you should feel excited then because Chris Kleiman is making a huge emphasis on bringing, yeah. bringing speed into Manhattan. So we'll, we'll do some predictions for this season. How many wins in the 2019 season? I know it's tough yeah. to do concrete, to make concrete predictions yeah. like that. But here, I'll help you. Pull, I'll pull up the, I'll pull up our schedule for okay. you. Well, my phone's not working, so I'll just try to remember it. We have two FCS schools that I would chalk up probably as wins, and then we have, I think we go on the road. Our road games are Texas Tech, Texas, um, Oklahoma State, Mississippi State, KU, and then I think our home games, we've got Oklahoma, West Virginia, TCU, State, and TCU Iowa and State, yeah. and Baylor. So, I mean – what just how many wins are you thinking? How many wins are you thinking for climbing year one? Are we on now? Or? We're on. Oh, okay. Sorry, I did pause it because yeah. I was trying to look it up on my um, phone, but it it wouldn't work. Well, Texas Tech has a new coach, but that's going to be a road game. But Correct. still, still, hopefully, in old days K State was tough on the road. So 
I mean, they're going to be a new TCU was down, but then uh, Gary Patterson always seems to come. When he has a down year, the next year yeah. they're usually really good. Baylor, we still don't know. KU, are they going to be? No, they're going to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, are they going to be able to get us in Lawrence? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'll go out on a limb and say six and six. We'll just. Uh, Okay, that's fair. That, I mean, that, that I we're going to win some games that we weren't expected to win. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think that should be our goal is get back to a bowl game this season, six and six, and I think that's possible. Um, it's just going to be early is going to be huge because we go, we got the two FC or the two preseason mm-hmm. basically easy wins uh who hope nickel state and bowling green yeah and then we go to mississippi state which i'm assuming is going to be lost and then we go first big 12 game at oklahoma state so and then baylor so we'll have to win that baylor game like that's a huge swing game because i i don't think we'll win at oklahoma state it's possible but i don't know six and six i think that's fair and now here's another big question that is just not easy, but how many how many years will Chris Kleiman be at K State? <laughs> I saw that on your pre sheet here, and I thought, why is he? Why would he ask me that? I have you know, I have no idea. I mean, you hope. Well, I'll that ask you this: in your in, or what, in your opinion, no. what should the expectation be for Chris Kleiman's program in his tenure? Let's say he's got a six year contract. Okay. So, okay. Do you guy, think he sees we, out his contract? We know that the guy can coach in the. Uh, Division three, we know he can when he's got good players compared to we know he can coach because I think he's won it three out of four years or what three out of five years four out of five I think I don't know something incredible he's lost six games in five years so we'll put it that way so I guess the question I think he's going to be successful I think he's what should the expectations of K State's football program be how about that well. you know what they are. I mean, because we tasted the honey and we had the, uh, those great years, and you go back to the late 90s and those early 2000s, and, man, we were at the heap or the, at the pinnacle, so to speak. Uh, and so our expectations are uh, probably going to be too high. Now, uh, I guess I'll have to kind of go back to the year 1989, 1990 when – the athletic director and my old law school buddy, Jeff Schemmel, and I, we, we met and we, we got the tickets. And our theory was this. I'm buying K-State football tickets to support the university. And then we will just have a social event up there. We won't worry about uh, when we won't have any expectations. That's the thing. No expectations. What's the old saying? I will... Uh, I'll, let me see, I'll hope for the best, but I'll expect the worst or something like that. Anyway, or expect the worst, but hope for the best, whatever it is. So that, those are my expectations. I, I, think, I think we have to be patient. Uh, we, we can't. That is uh, crucial. We, we've got to know that this is a, uh, well, let me tell you Bill Snyder's years. I know I was in the thick of it. 1989, 1 in 10. 1995 and six, and there were several games we were winning and could have won that we let get away. 1991, we were um, seven and seven and four. Couldn't go to a bowl game because two of our wins were against division lower teams, and they didn't allow you to do that. 19 
what am I, 1992, quarterback got hurt, and we ended up. I think they were five. Nine, five and six, seven, but yeah. we lost to a Utah State team out there, and we lost to a winless Missouri. Missouri had lost like, I don't know, 20 games. No, not 20 games, but they were. we were favored. We lost those two games. Otherwise, we'd have been seven and four and gone to a bowl. So, And then the next year, of course, nine and three. So it was his fifth year before we turned the corner. Yes, fans absolutely need to be patient. Um Particularly with how Bill left our roster, it's pretty thin in some spots. Yeah. I think that <clears throat> Kleiman and the staff, they've done a great job at filling a lot of those holes, but the 2019 class is not very good. I mean, it's last in the Big 12, um, no. so that's going to be tough. Um, it's th- th- That's why this 2020 class is so huge, and they're doing a great job so far. Yeah. I mean, good. we're a top 30, ranked top 30 um class really? right that's now i think 29 fantastic. Last I checked, third in the big 12 i mean that's due to just sheer numbers but we are getting some good players but it's gonna take time so i'm worried like this year i think will be okay because we have a, a returning quarterback and i think that's huge but there's just question marks everywhere we don't know how any of our running backs are going to be we don't have any wide receivers so we'll see but i mean i think mm-hmm. expectations for climbing would be our expectations for K State is majority of the time you got to go to a bowl game and you got to every yeah. three or so years compete for a conference championship and maybe a playoff bid. I think yeah. those are fair expectations. I mean, I think yeah, there's nothing. Sure, K State is not a blue blood program. But there's no reason if it's run well that we can't compete. I mean, mm-hmm. Manhattan is it's not the '80s anymore. It's just not. No, I think we I can think be. I think we can be elite again. You just it just takes work. Mm-hmm. You just it just you can't do it every year, unless you're recruiting top twenty classes every year, which yeah. I don't foresee. But those are my expectations. Let's pivot yeah. to basketball, <laughs> which is I would say. I mean, you know, that's your bread and butter. But until you know, K State until Bill Snyder arrived and K State became elite. For a handful of years, but basketball this year was great. I mean, it was filled with filled with some ups and downs, but it was definitely the highlight this year for for sports. What was? Do you have a favorite moment of this season? Uh, well, probably beating KU in in uh, Manhattan uh, yeah. and breaking that string. Uh, we did. What we we won a tournament. I think didn't we we won, we won some the, tournament. The worst tournament I've ever seen. I mean okay. the. <laughs> I mean, there were some we, we okay were well, teams there, yeah. but like, what we had to you had to buy a streaming service to watch it, and it was like so bad, I guess, so bad. I guess what Paradise I would, Jam. Yes, that's it. I guess what I would say would be the, and it wasn't really a moment. It was, it was kind of, it was two or three weeks uh, in a row, because when K State came out and went zero and two. In the Big 12, I mean, I'm looking around. How are we going to find, you know, enough wins to get in the tournament? You know, how are we going to? And then when we ran off, I want to say nine games. I, I want to say like nine straight game wins. That or might be right. Cl- it was something like that. I mean, I just, that was just incredible, though, that, that high. Once, you know, uh, we came back against West Virginia, and then we stunned Iowa State on the last second shot by Barry's layup, 
So now we're two and two, and then, boom, we just then took off, and that was just, that was sweet. That was just, so it wasn't a moment, but it was just all those moments. We had a lot of good moments. I mean, we won nine in a row, but it was, I never felt comfortable. Did you, like, was there a point where you, like, believed we're going to win the Big 12 championship? Because I didn't think we were going to win it until we beat Oklahoma on the last day. That, that's, that's a great question. I mean, question. I did. I felt like, yeah. I, I mean, there were a couple games where I was like, okay, this is, that was a huge win. Like, at Texas, at TCU, and yeah. then Baylor, was, Baylor at home was a really scary, tricky game. Mm-hmm. So those yeah. kind of gave me, like, oh, man, maybe we can really do this. But yeah. I never felt, like, safe until, you know. It was all said and done. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll give a little history on that, and, and I would have to uh, agree. I, I I can't remember who I was talking to, but there was a couple of people. When I, I talked to them, and they were big K-State fans, and they said, we are going to win this thing. We're really going to. And then that would pump you up, and you'd really say, gosh, we, you know, we are. We do have a chance. But I've got to tell you, being the fan that um, – Watched K-State lose the 1998 Big 12 Championship. Watched us get knocked out Bruce's first year, knocked out of the NCAA first round. And all those things where you get your hopes up and K-State somehow dashes your hopes. And I, I don't mean to sound like Mr. Negative, but I guess it was just the caution in me that says, you know, God, of course you want to believe, but you just, the, the doubt just creeps in so uh, i i'd have to i think that goes for about 90 percent of sports fans and yeah. teams but and i think that too but i think that's maybe a bit of a false narrative because i think there are, are as many stories of where we did overcome we pulled it out many times well, iowa where, state last minute shot you don't we we don't make those usually <laughs> no yeah so how special was the senior trio of barry cam and dean they, they were very special, and, you know, I have to take my hat off to, to Bruce with regard to that. Now, uh, Dean Wade frustrated me from when he was a freshman and sophomore, and maybe even Bruce did in coaching him because I, you know, the kid I thought had nothing but talent, and it, it seemed like he would be tentative, and he just didn't realize how good he was, and I think that's, you know, part coaching. I think coaching has something to do with that, that but... You know, really, if you look at those guys, they uh, all were, I don't know, two and three stars. I don't I think, think they Dean were four. was a four star. Dean probably was a four. And then the other two were but, three stars, but um, Barry was way under the radar. Yeah. And then, I mean, we kind of took a chance on Barry. Cam had, like, some small school offers, mm-hmm. but nothing, not like top 150 guys. Yeah. So I'd have to say that Bruce really you know, develop them or they develop themselves. But, yeah, that trio was definitely very special. And, you know, we I mean, all know. There were periods when I thought, like, Barry Brown was the worst basketball player I've ever seen, <laughs> like, early in his career. And, I mean, Cam, I thought, was incredible early on. And then, I mean, he Cam gets the short end of the stick from fans, every yeah. fan. People yeah. just have these such a bias against him. I mean, he's been consistently good yeah. since his freshman year. He's just battled injuries. Yeah. I mean, there's been times when he was the go-to guy, and then he got hurt and had to come back and battle through that rustiness. And he was probably, I mean, the most consistent 
contributor yeah. this season. I but was one of those that was a little down on him, but not really. I finally saw the light that, this yeah. year and realized, you know, just how, I mean, good he is. I mean, I don't know. I've always liked Cam, but in your K-State fandom, is there a group of players that compares to those guys? Um, they weren't all seniors, but the year we beat KU in 88 when we had Mitch Richmond, Will Scott, and Steve Henson, those three guys on the perimeter, we rained three-pointers on KU and broke their 55-game winning streak in Allen Fieldhouse. And they were they were just – they could hit those threes. And uh, those three guys were special. I'd have to – I'd have to think back. I mean, um, obviously, Chucky – Chucky Williams and Mike Evans. When I was there, they were they were called the Purple Pop Gun Duo. Now that's not three players, but that was their nickname, the Purple Pop Gun Duo. And they they could, if the three point shot was would have been in effect at that time. I mean, Chucky Williams could come around that off the screen and just go up and hit it from the top of the key almost every time. I mean, he was awesome. But. You know, that's not three players. It doesn't have to yeah. be three. Yeah. I mean, all right, so X is officially returning. Yes. So, what are your expectations for next season? And which players, player, are you most excited, most looking forward to watching? That's a good question because, uh, uh, you know, I've always thought that you can build a team around three good players. And I think X is one. And I always mispronounce his name, Jada. 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 And then uh, our big, Mayween is going to be our big boy. And he's kind of an enigma because sometimes he is just unstoppable and other times he just totally is gone. So I really think those three seniors um, could really do a lot of damage. Now, so the question is... (laughs) McGurl and and Williams, um, and then I've heard we have somebody was saying uh, we have quite a good six uh, foot eight guy from Chicago. Dejuan Gordon is, is, is a four really, star, yes, um, Chicago Player of the Year. So I'm very excited about him. Yeah, I'm excited about all three of our young freshmen coming in. Um, and then we got a our a, a David Sloan, who is uh, another commit from the class. I guess he's a, I, I mean, top of my head, I think he transferred in, but he's going to be a point guard who um, originally was a top 150 guy, um, basically had some academic academic issues, went like a prep school route, and then ended up here now. And yeah. he looks like to be – he's going to be a really solid guard. But Would, I agree. I don't know. All right. Tell me about our JUCO guy that um, could really jump and was really aggressive, couldn't hit the free throws. Um, uh, Trice, he Trice. he transferred out. Okay, now that's what I heard. I did not know that until um, I was talking to the the good buddy of mine that knew. He said, "I think he's gone." I said, "I didn't." You know, I follow the news a lot, and I never heard that. I must have been gone somewhere. Now, see, that is one of my and that's my worry about Bruce Weber when you have this guy coming in with all these accolades, and you know, and then he really doesn't. Produce. You have Jada, who nobody really knew about, but all of a sudden Cam Stokes gets hurt, and now 
And Jada came out last year as a freshman and was just unbelievable. You got my girl in the big uh, or in the big dance when we played Creighton coming out of nowhere and hitting all this. And these guys hadn't been playing. I've that's always been one of my worries or doubts about Bruce that he's not playing these guys you know, that he should be playing. And and I may be wrong. Um, I just, because we're talking about that good crop of freshmen coming in, you know, and uh, um, is he going to screw? <laughs> I know this sounds bad, but is he going to screw it up? Does he not know how to meld these guys together? Or, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of what I've seen. That's my worry anyway. I don't think so. I mean, I think Bruce and the <clears throat> staff has a really good track record of, developing players you know aside from there was a period of time you know like the foster group that recruiting class that i mean that was just a class that decided that i mean we don't know like details i guess but didn't want to just didn't follow team rules and were getting in trouble and just weren't mature enough at the time and i mean that is part of coaching you have to be able to manage your players but i mean credit to bruce like we dropped off the face of the earth there for a little bit. We right, went and I, 15 and 17, and then um, I don't I know, something ag- yeah. equally as bad, and then we bounced back, and he yeah. developed those guys. I'll agree. Those three seniors, that they, they really developed, and I think Snead has developed. And the one thing I, was, I asked you before we got on, if K-State's three-point shooting improved this last year over the year before. because I think it did slightly. When we went to the Elite Eight, one of the reasons we got hot and were winning, that three-point shot, and I was so excited about everybody coming back because I thought, we got six guys that can drain the three. Br- uh, Cam. Uh, Cam, Barry, Dean, Dean X, X, Cardi. Ja- and, and then McGurl. And, and I thought, yes, gosh, this is going to. And it just didn't seem when we needed the threes down the stretch this year, like especially in the NCAA tournament, nobody could come up with the big shot. And so. So what are your um, expectations for this team? Well, I, I've got to write him a letter. I've got to write <laughs> one of my Al Copeland letters and tell him the three-point shot is the key. X, you guys, Jada, you guys get out there and, I mean, up your percentage for next year. There's no excuse not to. And you remember Clemente, Clemente? Of course. And he was, they, they said he would shoot like a thousand. He was in the gym all the time doing the extra work. And I heard Barry did that too. Get Barry and Cam and it pays off. So I, I got to write a Mal Copeland letter. Well, I fully expect them to be in, I mean, and as far as standings go, you know, like Big 12 standings, are they going to make the tournament? What do you think? I uh, Well, I'd be very disappointed if they didn't make the tournament because they've got those three, three studs. They got two seniors in... Uh, uh, X, yeah, huh? X, X, yeah. Sneed in in, in Xavier, yeah. In, in X and May Ween, and they got Jada the junior and uh, McGurl junior, and hopefully Williams showed some flashes. Of, I think we'll be pretty good. Uh, I think, yeah. Um, I expect us fully to make the tournament, be like an eight ten seed range, um, and then I I could see us finishing four or five in the in the conference. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're gonna defend our crown I by any means that. but i think they're talented enough to yeah. for mm-hmm. sure go dancing yeah. so bruce we've talked a little bit about bruce he's been a divisive figure you know ever since he was hired but i mean how happy were you to see him bounce back from you know like i said we fell off 
the face of the earth there for a few years, and everyone was anti-Bruce. I was anti-Bruce, um, yeah. you know, but he came back. He rebuilt the program, yeah, rebuilt I've, the foundation, and we won it. He won a second Big 12 title. Yeah, and I would, I would definitely say that uh, um, he has – he he did bounce back, and he has uh, uh, gained some of my respect with regard to that. He he, I think he developed those players, those those seniors that left. And uh, you know, I still, you know, this is going to sound pretty harsh, but I still I still only consider him a, maybe a C plus C plus B minus coach, and and. You know, I hope he proves me wrong, and and maybe it was him that got us from zero and two to run off nine. And so I'm wrong. I, but I, you know, I hope he proves me wrong there. That is pretty harsh. I mean, <laughs> it's just like an arbitrary way to just rank a coach. But I mean, I think he's yeah. one of the hardest recruiters around, yeah. and he does it clean. And mm-hmm. clearly, I mean, he's he's obviously a good coach. He's, 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 he's not clean, perfect. Yeah. He has his flaws, but yeah. you know. I, he, I'm I, fully on the Bruce train yeah, nowadays. I, I, mean, I know you are, which is good. That's I'm, I'm, It's I'm just too exhausting good. to be anti-everything. You know? You're right. You're right. It is. Um, so, uh, I mean, I when you look at the history of K-State coaches, Bruce, he's got two Big 12 titles. Mm-hmm. He's got an Elite Eight. He's been in the tournament five times in seven years. You know, that makes him... In my, I mean, that makes him on paper the most successful coach since Lon Kruger. Uh, where does he rank in your all-time opinion among among the <laughs> illustrious list of K-State coaches? I'll give you a reference point. Kevin put him said he couldn't put him any higher than fourth all-time. I think he had Tex winner as one, which seems obvious. Yeah. And then I want to say two and three were like uh, Jack Hartman and Hartman. Gardner. Maybe Gardner. Cotton Fitzsimmons was only there a couple years, uh, and he, I think, had a big big eight title. I'm not sure, but he was only there for – he was very short. But Jack Gardner's, I think he was talking about. Um, Which I think I, is fair. Yeah. I mean, Lon hmm. Kruger, I think, kind of – I mean, he was – he had what? He never got <clears throat> never got to the Elite Eight? No, yeah, he did. He that did was Mitch He won yeah. the Elite Eight year. Um, oh, that was 88. Is that right? Yeah, that was 88. Oh, my God. Um, what a terrible loss. Our first loss. year, Lonnie, we got – we made the tournament. We were a nine seed. We played eight seed Georgia. We beat them, and then we had to face number one UNLV out there in the West Region. On, and we went down in flames. The next year, we took second in the Big Eight to Oklahoma, who had the great one of the great Oklahoma teams with uh, Mookie Mookie Blaylock and Stacy Young, or. Uh, one of the, one of the twins, I can't remember what their names were. They were they were awesome, um, and probably should have beat KU in the championship game. But I think Larry Brown outcoached old Billy Tubbs. But um, and then then the next two years, I think we made the tournament both in '89 and '90. But my knock on Lonnie and uh, you know Lonnie, I think is a is a great coach was was the recruiting. He, for some reason, couldn't get the Mitch Richmonds every year. You you know, Al McGuire used to say, if you get one blue chipper a year, you can win a national championship. And that's not completely true anymore because the one and dones are gone. But anyway, so ha- I would <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Um, 
that's just a really good question because I mean, I Tex just... Winter and Jack Gardner, I wasn't there, and I don't know their history. I know that we made the I mean, they final both... four in like '52 or something like that. They both played for a national championship, and obviously, yeah. Tex Winter is just right. a legend of the game of basketball. He's... Yeah. The triangle offense, and he just... So yeah. he's got to be one. Everybody knows yeah, about Tex Winter. If you yeah. even know anything about basketball, yeah. Tex Winter. Um, and I I put Hartman, too, but I may be wrong. It, it may have been Jack Gardner. If if Jack was coaching one of those times, we got to the Final Four or, or, or something like that. I mean, but, in my lifetime, Bruce is probably the best mm-hmm. coach that we've had, which is so funny because, mm-hmm. like, three years ago, I think I called him the worst coach in the conference. <laughs> Well, you were pretty much a big Frank Martin fan. I mean, you know? that's everyone loved Frank. Oh yeah, to Frank, be honest, yeah. that's why I think so many people well, are still anti Bruce's because yeah. they just they just didn't like the well, way Frank, that Frank got left. us to the Elite Eight, right in two thousand ten. Yes, but Frank could never get over the hump and win a conference. The closest he ever got was second, and we went uh, eleven and five, I think. Yeah. That's or something like that. That was the the mm-hmm. Elite Eight year, and we were like two or three games back from winning the championship. And Bruce has won. I mean, two yeah. conference titles, and I think I don't remember if his first conference championship was round when it was round robin, but um, to win a round robin championship in a well, climate yeah. of basketball yeah. where I mean you're competing directly with Kansas, a blue blood that is yeah. has been habitually cheating every year, and <laughs> everyone else is cheating. Yeah, that's to, true. To do that and yeah. to do it with guys that. You basically took a chance on, and when you were bottom, yeah. bottom three in the Big Twelve, and to rebuild the program and do what he did, I think is as now, as high as an, a, yeah. an achievement as you can get. Now, obviously, the biggest knock on Bruce is just consistently losing in the first round. Yeah, aside I, from that yeah. one year, but Scott made a good point. It's like you know you can win in the first round, but and Frank would always win that first round game, yeah. but. It, more off every other year we would crash out in the second round yeah. aside from that elite eight year and it's like i mean if you're not going to get past the first weekend who cares like if you losing yeah. the first losing the first round or losing the second round it doesn't yeah. really make a difference you got to get out of that first weekend get to the sweet 16 so i don't really hold it against bruce that much no i'm i'm not holding it against bruce i would say now, does it make any difference to you that both those championships were shared? You know, KU not at all. shared and not at all. Tech, okay. And I guess my frustration would, with Bruce would be this: that and the the two years I thought we should do do better when we won the conference his first year, and we had Rodney, and we were a fourth seed playing an eleven seed. We lose. Okay, of that, course. That I mean, bo- bothered me. And then the the one year that we went on last year, there were no real expectations, and all of a sudden you get hot and you you have a couple good breaks in the I in mean the of tournament. Course. And of course, when um, you have your two best teams in the Bruce tenure and we lose in the first, first round, round, that's extremely frustrating, yeah. and that is a knock against him for sure. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. That's really frustrating, but. You know, well, in the yeah. grand scheme of things, it no, is. So, uh, yeah, you, conference you championships <laughs> are Big Twelve chunk conference I mean, championships. I hold very highly. I think. And let me let me kind of clarify, or let me make a point, and that is, since Lonnie, the only other competition Bruce would have to be a decent coach was Frank Martin. I mean, that's his only competition. Well, because, Huggins. 
Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Huggy. Well, yeah, Huggy. But we don't have we much never to, really know. Yeah, we don't I've have forgotten much to Huggy, pull. but I thought Huggy did a hell of a good job. Um, you know, that team was ended up taking four. Huggins is the godfather of the rebirth. I mean, yeah, he's, he, he really is. He's, he's like, kind of uh, like the Bill Snyder but you, turnaround. But you had Asbury. Basketball. Well, wait, you had Altman because, and I was against Altman, and I'll, I'll you after Lonnie, you had Altman. Altman was you pretty had weak. Asbury, you had Woolridge. Those. Altman was obviously the best and most successful of those three, and he's still coaching. Whereas Woolridge and Asbury are long since has gone long the way of the dodo. <laughs> but uh, and but then if you look at uh, Huggy, Frank, and and Bruce, yeah, Bruce's his accomplishments are were there. It's just uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's accomplished a lot. He's a great guy. I think he's a good ambassador yeah. for the university, and yeah. I'm excited about next year. We got yeah. a lot of good players coming back, and it's going to be fun. I have some expectations of being us being the upper half. I would, I would hope we'd be fourth or fifth in the upper half of the ten, Big Ten or the ten teams, <laughs> the Big Twelve. Yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I'll, I'll we'll end it on a couple of final questions. Do you remember how? Do you remember when you found out like? when we had a show like what do you remember about the early episodes in that first year i don't know if you told me or shelly said something and i I, and i i hate to tell or i hate to admit this but i really just don't have that much time to listen to the show we when we go out to colorado and shelly will put them on while we're driving they're very entertaining i enjoy them but i I don't have a chance to listen to well, them as much. I'm if you're not, not a podcast person, I yeah. don't really hold it against you. I think Which you listen I'm to not, the big yeah. ones, yeah. but that's fine. I'd, my feelings are not hurt. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think it's a great, great thing. And the boneheads, I don't know if I've actually met a bonehead or not. I know Mom um, has run into people. I mean, we when we were at the game... Uh, <laughs> what was that? Which, the yeah. Vanderbilt game, basketball, I was talking, and there was a a guy sitting in front of me and he turned around and he's like, are you Grant? Because <laughs> he recognized my voice. Yeah. So that's the only, yeah, that's really the only cool. other thing that I, where you, I mean, you were there. Yeah. So, but otherwise, you know, probably not. So, we'll wrap it up. That's it. That's, right. that's Dad Pod two. 2, part 2 and um, happy birthday to you, sir. Yes, and happy thank you. early Father's Day. Yes. This is the Father's Day edition, so happy Father's Day to everyone <laughs> out there. Um, I love you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, well, thank you. Love you too. Um, be sure to check out uh, SeatGeek and my bookie uh-huh. using those promo codes. Uh, for my bookie, it's Capital Boys for a fifty percent deposit match, and SeatGeek ACAA for twenty bucks off your first order. And guys, for the love of God, ask us some questions. We have a Q and A coming up. Um, get your questions in. Quit being lazy. Get creative. Send them in using the Ask Bosco hashtag. We need some better questions. You guys are really, the boneheads are really slacking out there. So pick it up. Ask us some questions. Send them in. We love you. Meet me at the Cathead.